guys, welcome back to Lords of Order, a DC Comics Doctor Fate fan podcast. Me, host Edmore, you aware spoilers. If you want to send feedback, the Doctor Fate fan podcast at gmail.com is always open. BigTimeNoise.com slash Doctor Fate is the website. Teal Productions on Twitter for Lords of Order and a handful other shows. And pages on Facebook and Google Plus under the name Lords of Order. Spoilers definitely for this episode, as I am talking about issue 15 of the current volume of Dr. Fate, cover dated October 2016. But this is uh, two months old, I think. Yeah, two months old. So, Our storytellers, Paul Levitz and Sonny Liu, colorist Lee Loffridge, letterer Seda Temofante. March of the Mummies is the title of this um, issue, episode, whatever you want to call it. So we have uh, two locales here that we are following as the story opens. One is uh, Bay Ridge in Brooklyn. That's where Khalid is. He's studying. The other is on the Great Lawn of Central Park, where Shea is. She's studying. They're texting. Um, I think texting? Yeah, yeah, texting. Um, Khalid says, you could be here studying with me. And she responds... I don't trust you to keep your mind and your hands on the schoolwork. Besides, it's beautiful here and my iPad's all full of nasty med school stuff. Why waste it? Khalid comes back. I don't think being with you anywhere, anytime, is a waste. And she responds, so come here, boy. He says, damn, all my books and my notes are still handwritten and then in the midst of he sees that her text was interrupted. She sent something funky. Um, sensing something is wrong, he grabs up the helmet of fate, slaps it on, and takes off to uh, Central Park to try to find out what's going on. And we see from Shia's point of view that what's going on are some mummies wandering around, scaring the crap out of all the regular people, making them run in a big human stampede across the grass. Cut to Salem, Massachusetts, where we are catching up with Kent Nelson, my personal favorite for all of the personas who have or have pretended to be fate or some aspect of fate. And he's talking to his cat, Dinah, and kind of fussing at her because he's talking to her I assume it's a her with the name D-I-N-A-H, Dinah, because he has been nice and kind and and done some special things for her, and she is not giving him any feedback at all. Um, I believe he's just venting because I'm pretty sure Dinah is just a cat, not a familiar or anything like that, so there's no reason to expect true um, interaction between the two. But he feels that there is something going on in around the vicinity of Khalid. Not specifically right now, but just in general. And so he is uncomfortable enough that he decides to conjure a complete helm of fate. Okay, not the half half helm right below the nose. But to conjure a complete helm of fate to give him some 
uh, amplification, I guess, of his powers to go help Khalid. Because Khalid possesses the true helmet of fate. Um, so, Kent puts it on and we see his more golden agey complete outfit with the amulet and the outfit, the gauntlet gloves, the cape, all the all that stuff. Cutting back to the Metropolitan Metropolitan Metropolitan. Wow, sorry. The Metropolitan Museum of Art where the mummies are are coming from. Khalid tracks them or or he has arrived in the vicinity of Central Park. Apparently the museum is right on the outskirts of the park. So he sees that there is a disruption at the museum and it's it's like hemorrhaging mummies, shall we say, is kind of the way it, it looks here. So he swoops down to help, tries to uh, m- magic up one of the mummies, but the mummy uh, dissipates the magic, tears apart the magic like fabric or cloth or whatever, but the, the mummy is unmoved by the magic that Khalid applied to it. So in order to finally discourage the mummy from uh, haranguing the human people there in the vicinity, Khalid grabs up a huge chunk of earth and slams it onto the mummy, kind of squashing the mummy, but not killing it or anything like that. It's got a hand still sticking out from under the big rock that Khalid made and it's still grasping so that tells me that he didn't destroy the mummy he just uh, pinned it up in essence Khalid continues on searching for Shea Uh, that is ultimately what he is wanting to do he conjures a, a spell and sends the spell tells it to track Shea and then flies off following it he sees more and more mummies, passes them up because he's looking for Shea. Uh, and then the magic spell seems to become distracted or something like that. And rather than flying through the park like you would think if it was tracking somebody, it just shoots straight up into the air for some reason. Khalid following. We cut to Khalid's home where he was to start the story, but he left Uh his parents are there, Muhammad and Elizabeth, and they're talking to Akila. Akila is getting signatures for a march against racism. Um, ever the, yeah, Akila. So we, I, I think the point of this portion is to show that there is still that aspect of Khalid's life that is trying to persuade him to be more traditional. Uh, His father is from Egypt. His mother is American. Akila represents that true Egyptian heritage. And she is putting pressure uh, as she represents that tradition on Khalid via his parents is, is the way that I perceive that aspect of the story. Cutting back to Khalid as he's zipping around the park now. He's seeing the destruction. Uh, No death so far, just destruction. And as he's looking around, he gets smacked in the back by a tree. He crashes to the ground. The tree crashes to the ground. And we see that the tree was tossed at him by a mummy. 
And here are a couple mummies who are now moving in on him as he has become grounded. Continuing to pummel him with, uh, with trees and branches and anything they can find, Khalid, using magic and speaking, um, I believe speaking in the voice of, of Nabu, he is talking and tells them that uh, you are long dead and should not walk the earth. Return to your prison of the ages. And he takes all of the trees and branches and everything and breaks them up into planks and then shoves planks in the ground around each of the mummies in a very small, confined um, wooden jail cell and leaves them there. Jets on off to find Shalik, tracking his magical sphere, which... Um, I don't know, it has dissipated or he absorbed it to use it to juice these guys, or I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there. But eventually he does see Shea. Did I say Shayla? I'm sorry, Shea. S-H-A-Y-A. Uh, she is on a, a bridge over a small stream there somewhere in Central Park being assailed by this mummy and decides, well, since I can't outrun you, I will see if you can swim. And so she jumps uh, in a rather nice diving pose, I, I must say. I don't know if she is a swimmer or not. Um, diving into the stream, leaving the mummy up on the bridge. Cut back to the Brooklyn Museum, where police have responded. Uh, they've cordoned off sections to keep the general public away. There's a news helicopter here that is uh, keeping track of things. We see a, a policeman has been injured, and at that scene arrives Kent Nelson. Uh, not uh, he, he wears the garb and the full helmet. It looks like Dr. Fate, but he is not Dr. Fate. The true Dr. Fate is Khalid. Kent Nelson wields some of the order-slash-chaos magics from his time spent as Dr. Fate, but he is no longer the avatar of uh, Nabu that has been passed to Khalid. So, Kent Nelson, as we have seen previously, can do some stuff, but I suspect if pushed to it, he probably does not have the full suite of abilities that the chosen Dr. Fate does. But he uh, rescues the policeman and flies off uh, with, you know, I guess his his radar trying to find Khalid. Because all around him is the dark magics, I would assume, that are animating the mummies. And I assume they're being animated by dark magics. So the darkness he sensed should be all around him, but he flies on into the park uh, again, I assume, specifically in search for Khalid to assist him or see if he needs assistance. Khalid, um, as Dr. Fate, he has his full helmet on, flies down, snatches Shea out of the water that she's in, which the mummy jumped into, still chasing her. You can't really tell if the mummy's having difficulty getting around or not, but it is still pursuing her. Interesting exchange here between Shea and Khalid slash Nabu slash Dr. Fate. She says, huh, who the hell are you? And in the Nabu voice, he says, I am your fate. <sighs> Please. She says, are those your mummies, mystery man? Because unless they rip me apart, no way 
am I your anything? Put me down when you are safe. You're flying me over Midtown and you're telling me I'm going to be safe? You're clinically insane. There. I'm supposed to say thanks? No. So, first of all, Shea, you're being quite the douche, okay? You had a freaky mummy chasing you. Dude flies up, deposits you somewhere away from the mummy. Be, be grateful, child. You know, come on. It's the problem with this world. Nobody is grateful for anything anymore, particularly when it's given to them freely. on millennials. Get off my lawn! I just had to say that to finish that train of thought. Sorry, guys. Khalid goes back, um, surveying tendrils of uh, smoke and fire and whatever all over the place, you know, almost like he's uh, viewing a war zone from up above. And he's... Khalid is talking to the essence of Naboo, so they're having a conversation, even though they're both in the same body. Uh, Khalid says... Okay, Nabu, I take back the totally useless remark now. Will you help me figure out what's going on with these mummies? And Nabu says, they seek you, Khalid. We cut to Bay Ridge at Khalid's apartment where the cordon set up by the police has extended. And it has gotten to his house. And so Muhammad and Elizabeth are being escorted out. Uh, for their protection with people in the neighborhood, fussing and whining about being uh, moved out. Again, they make us leave our homes. This is madness. Uh, But then, as they're leaving, the mummies are not far behind because we see motorcycles and vehicles flying through the air as the mummies are throwing them at the people who the police are trying to get out of harm's way. Again, people, be grateful that somebody is doing something to save your life, you know? Elizabeth looks and notes, hmm, 18th Dynasty Egypt by the look of them, but the whole thing makes no sense. How are we... Oh, never mind, because she sees Dr. Fate. He is hovering over the group and with a big Fate magic whammy disintegrates 14 mummies. Um, well, no, not disintegrates them. Back to the dust you should have been. So he, he probably reverts them back to the inanimate dust that they were before they were imbued with whatever life magic essence, black magic that they had in them. So he goes down to investigate, and one of the officers in riot gear walks up to him and says, uh, appreciate your uh, wrapping this up, sir, but can we get your name for our report? And as fate dissipates in this amorphous, smoky nimbus of golden energy, he says fate, which just comes from the helmet, which is all that is left of the figure before it completely dissipates. Surprising the policeman. Um, We then have this um, uh, montage of panels here that is the final page starts out, we're, we're told that we're in Prospect Park. So this is close to where Khalid lives. And the narrator is telling us, over panels of the area at first, Since the most ancient of times, humankind has been in awe of the passage of the sun, rising in the east and setting in the west every day, century after century, millennia after millennia. 
Each tribe, each generation finds new explanations for the life-giving journey, offering its warmth to people, animals, and plants alike. Myths, legends, religion, and science have all offered their comforting versions. Now, the last two panels are panels of something much more sinister. For when night falls, there's an instinctive hint of terror at the darkness, and what it may bring, but we shrug it off, secure in our belief that the morning will come with a fresh sunrise and a new beginning. Unless, of course, it doesn't. And in the blurb for the next issue, uh, perhaps the title of the next issue story, The Day the Sun Didn't Rise, and we see an individual dressed up rather ceremonially he he reminds me of a he's dressed and and this is only uh it's it's all black so there's not a whole lot of definition but he's dressed much like a i believe a chinese imperial person would be with a pointier helmet and big shoulder paddy shoulder pads on and then a, a robish kind of outfit um again all in black whites for the, for the eyes, because we see a close-up of the face. And then the story ends for us there. All right, next episode will be kind of a, an odd episode. Um, we have gotten to the point in Dr. Fate's uh, life, shall we say, as a character, where newer stories are being written of his Golden Age exploits. In particular, I'm speaking of Roy and Dan Thomas's All-Star Squadron's stories involving Dr. Fate. Now, they take place during his golden age, but they don't have the feel of those stories written in the golden age. So, I'm not as uh, keen on covering those issue-by-issue appearances, per se. And at times, in All-Star Squadron, he will have anywhere from one panel to... uh, perhaps the entire book. Uh, Those of you that aren't familiar with it, All-Star Squadron was very closely tied to the Justice Society at the time in that the two of them worked together as one unit at times, and at other times they worked separately. So the next episode I am going to go through a 10-issue span of All-Star Squadron, and they're not 10 consecutive issues, that occurred supposedly, chronologically, between More Fun Comics 82, which I did last episode, and All-Star Comics issue 13, which will be two episodes from now, to to fill in. Some of the tale of Dr. Fate's exploits um, are pertinent Uh, Most, as they appear in the All-Star Squadron, are not. I will do my best to sum those up as succinctly as possible to not make that episode extraordinarily long, since I know typically I go 15 to 20 minutes. Here I want to cover 10 books, and and hopefully I won't string it out too, too long. But that is what to expect from me next time, guys. Talk to you then. Lords of Order is a teal production and as such is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, non-derivative 3.0 unported license. 